All right, welcome back to another episode of Creedal Catholic. I am very excited to join uh, or to be joined by Father Donald Calloway on the show today. We're talking about consecration to St. Joseph. This is a timely topic. Uh, we're doing this episode now because of the approaching feast uh, solemnity of St. Joseph on March 19th. So it's a great opportunity, I think, to take a step back and think about, talk about the wonders of this incredible saint who has so much to teach us uh, and has so much to offer us as we seek to journey towards Jesus Christ. So, Father, thank you so much for joining Creedal Catholic. Oh, thanks, brother. Thanks for having me, man. Yeah, these are uh, exciting times we're living in, and a uh, lot going on, a uh, lot of craziness, but <laughs> uh, we're sin, sin abounds, grace abounds all the more, right? Very well said. Yeah, no, I really appreciate you taking the time. I know you're a very busy guy. Uh, let me read your bio here briefly, and I'm reading this from the back of your book, and this is the book that uh, that got me to think I should reach out to Father Calloway and learn more about what sort of animated this idea for him and how we can be more effective in entrusting ourselves to St. Joseph. So if you haven't checked this book out, you should. You can go to consecrationtostjoseph.org, uh, and you can buy the book there, uh, and then you can read it for yourself. And Father Calloway, in the beginning of this book, uh, recommends starting it. It's a 33-day consecration. recommends starting it uh, in advance of one of the uh, one of the sort of feasts of St. Joseph in the church year. So in my case, I'm actually doing this consecration right now up to March 19th. And so the 33rd day of the consecration for me is going to be March 19th. And my parish actually has been doing this together. So there's going to be a, a consecration after our evening mass, Father. So that'll be pretty cool. Um, awesome. But uh, but it's a great book. I encourage my listeners to pick it up and viewers. Uh, and the bio, very brief bio in the back. There's a more extensive one that, that would take a long time to read because Father Donald Calloway has done a lot of things. But he is a member of the Marian Fathers of the Immaculate Conception and in fact is Vicar Provincial and Vocation Director for the Mother of Mercy Province of the Marian Fathers of the Immaculate Conception. He is the author of 14 books and leads pilgrimages to Marian shrines around the world. He resides in Steubenville, Ohio. Now, Father, I know you said you, you, we scheduled this on Pacific time. Are you in Steubenville right now? No, I'm not. I, I was there yesterday. Okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm constantly traveling, actually. Right now I'm in California, and from here I go to Louisiana. Oh, wow. So. <laughs> okay, jet-setting. Well, no, yeah. I, I, I really do appreciate your time. I mean, you said that we live in interesting times and there is a lot going on. And this consecration to St. Joseph is very timely. I think maybe as, as a first step, you mentioned that you are a convert to Catholicism. I am as well. Uh, if we can sort of get to know you just a little bit, give me sort of the two minute story of your conversion. Uh, How did you end up where you are now? Yeah, so I wasn't um, raised in any faith whatsoever. Um, wasn't baptized, didn't believe in God, you know, oh, as wow. a child. And um, that got me into a lot of trouble. So I, I pretty much lived for the world. And in my preteen years, I was already drinking and smoking marijuana and looking at pornography and just, you know, really, really bad stuff. But then when I got my teens, it got a lot worse. And, um, you know, a lot more drugs, a lot of immoral activity. Well, my stepfather um, was in the Navy. So we ended up living in Japan. Well, I ran away from home and caused an international scene, was running with the mafia, oh, wow. and then I got kicked out of the country, came back to the States, went to two drug and alcohol rehabilitation centers, got thrown in jail. But all through that craziness, my parents had a radical conversion. They um, fell madly in love with Jesus Christ. Oh my goodness, that's amazing. Yeah, I know. I joke with my mom. I say, Mom, I'm the reason you found God. <laughs> <laughs> you needed him to deal right. with me, you know? No kidding. And, but they, yeah, they were just madly in love with Jesus, and they became Catholic, and um, just on fire. And I, I didn't know what that was. I had no idea. Yeah. I resisted. I thought they were crazy. But a few years later, the divine two by four got me. Um, I had a radical conversion myself and ended up becoming Catholic and just madly in love with our Lord. 
and then got my my call to be a priest. And um, last thing I ever thought that would happen to me, but it did. And I studied for 10 years to, to become a priest. And now I've been a priest almost 18 years. So God's mercy, brother. It's, it's incredible. That's great. So when your parents became Christians, did they become Catholic? They did. Yes, wow, that's, that's right. Great. Yeah. And one of the reasons is because uh, a Filipino woman uh, in Japan, actually, she was married to an American military guy, told my mother, who's 100% Italian, how she wasn't Catholic in the first place. Yeah, you know, seriously, how that, how did that happen? Right. Yeah. Um, so the Filipino woman said, you need to talk to a Catholic priest because of all of our family problems and everything. Sure. And she did. And I guess the priest, the, the Catholic DNA was just dormant in my mom and the priest just went on. <laughs> you know. So. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. Oh, well, I mean, it's, it's, it's so amazing how God works. And uh, I'm super excited to have so many converts in the church today, both from Protestantism and from other faiths and from no faiths at all, mm. uh, like yourself. Um, converts can be such a gift to the church uh, and and it's just been, it's been really amazing to see so many converts who are doing so much in the church today, trying to advance mm-hmm. the cause of the gospel. So thank you so much mm-hmm. for your work. Um, you have thank this, you. this great book to St. Joseph or this great book on consecration to St. Joseph, as I mentioned, I'm reading now again, mm-hmm. if you want to pick it up, consecration to St. Joseph.org. Um, but tell me a little bit, you know, who, who was St. Joseph? Now, um, some of my, my viewers and listeners, um, may not have read up on, uh, the may not have read the book at all, may, may not be super familiar yeah. with a lot of the church's teaching on who Joseph was and what he mm-hmm. did. Uh, he is mentioned in a few passages in the Gospels, obviously, but uh, once Jesus' public ministry starts, he's not there anymore, perhaps because he, he passed away by the time that started. So tell us more a little bit about who, who was Joseph and, and why mm-hmm. we should turn to this great saint. Yeah, I mean, on one level, I think you could say he's kind of the best supporting actor in Christianity because... Yeah. He doesn't have one word attributed to him in the New Testament. And yet, you know, um, our Lord and the mother of Jesus both relied upon him. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he's the man who was entrusted with raising the Messiah. Um, and we know that he was not the biological father of Jesus, but he, he fulfilled that role, as many have said, as the shadow of the heavenly father. Um, so big shoes to fill, right, yeah. so to speak. I mean, wow, what responsibility. And he modeled manhood for Jesus as he was growing up. So like in Luke chapter two, right? It says uh, that episode where, where they lost Jesus and he was uh, found in the temple. Mm-hmm. It says when they, when they found him that he went to Nazareth and was obedient to them, meaning Mary and Joseph, and increased in wisdom and stature before God and man. Now that's a fascinating statement because God doesn't increase, right? He doesn't need anything. He doesn't grow or increase. But in his human nature, when, when the second person of the Blessed Trinity took on human nature, well, he does in that aspect, just like all babies grow. Right. He, and, and so he did that under the care of Mary and Joseph. And here's the fascinating thing. Joseph, the name Joseph, etymologically, uh, means increase. So I, I call St. Joseph the increaser. Mm. You know, he, he helped the Son of God in his humanity to increase. Right. And I think that says a lot about how uh, we might need him too. <laughs> no, it's a great point. And I've been thinking about that as I read through your book. You know, I mean, I'm a father. I have four children. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I certainly struggle to be a better father every day because I am far, far, far from perfect. But being a father helps you realize, uh, even if you don't realize it, because everyone has a father, right? But you might not appreciate what your father is. Uh, fully until you are a father. Uh, and then you realize how much you are responsible for shaping the way your child grows up and, and learns to, to interact with the world around them. And so, uh, so that is something that I've been thinking about more as I've been reading it. You know, one of the things that I was going to ask you is, 
um, why should we, uh, why should we consecrate ourselves to St. Joseph? And, you know, mm. I was thinking the answer is actually pretty obvious, right? It's because, you know, if, if we're asking why should we entrust ourselves to, to Joseph and Mary, the answer is because that's exactly what Jesus did, right? I mean, he grew right. up, he grew up under their roof and learned from them every single day. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's the essence of it. You nailed it right there. And, you know, the, the word itself, consecration, you know, a, a lot of times it, it comes with a lot of um, really strong sentiment. So, yeah. you know, we primarily uh, consecrate ourselves to God, mm-hmm. right? So by our baptism, we are partakers and sharers in the saving mission of Jesus. We become his brothers and sisters, and we're blessed to be able to cry out, Abba, Father, yeah. right? That's, there's no greater gift than that. But in order to, to, to be more faithful to that and closer to Jesus, why not consecrate and or entrust, they kind of mean the same thing, ourselves to those who raised Jesus, those who helped him, you know, in his mission while on earth. Um, if we get close to them, we're going to get super close to Jesus. Just like, you know, me, uh, who knows me best in my life? My mom, my dad, yeah. you know, they were there when, when hidden things were happening, when nobody else was aware. Um, and so was Mary and Joseph. And they were there when he was, you know, in the temple or when he was the presentation in the temple at the Bethlehem itself, you know, yeah. when he was born. Um, those are insights. They're going to have some incredible insights and they're going to help us get really super close to him. No, I love that. Well, I, I think I mentioned at the very beginning that this is the year of St. Joseph. At the beginning of this liturgical year, Pope Francis declared this to be the year of St. Joseph. Your book came out last year, so before all of that, but I, but I think there's something in the air about St. Mm-hmm. Joseph right now. So, uh, I mean, what do you think about that? And tell me mm-hmm. why you decided to write this book now. Yeah, uh, the timing is amazing because you're right. There is something going on because everywhere you look now, you're seeing St. Joseph, you're hearing about St. Mm-hmm. Joseph. And I think um, that goes in line with one of the reasons that I, I was, I believe, inspired to put the book together in the yeah. first place was, you know, we've got a real crisis right now in families, in marriages. Um, I mean, half of all marriages today end in divorce. Yeah. We've got 25% of children. So one fourth of all children today are not raised in a home with a father. So the consequences of that are not going to be good um, for the development of a child. Um, sometimes it, it happens for various reasons, right? A, a father dies or something happens. Of course, okay, many, many heroic women have raised children on their own. Sure. But, you know, God prefers that a, a father is also involved because it, it, it gives a critical role in the loving of a child, whether a son or a daughter. Well, with that in, in, in mind, in the crazy times that we live in, and, and so much confusion as well today about gender and sexuality mm-hmm. and things, boy, we could use a good, loving father. You know, uh, a man who is, you know, strong and, 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 and all of that, he can swing an axe and carry rocks and so forth, you know, a great carpenter, yeah. but also just so tender, so loving, so understanding, so kind. And I don't think we're going to find a better one than the man that God himself chose mm-hmm. To be the the, the stand-in, the, the the father figure for Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world. So, what a time! I, I think the Holy Spirit is saying to us, "You need to get to know Saint Joseph," yeah. and I'm going to introduce him to you. No, that's great. Well, I, I've been really appreciating your book because it is making me think. You know what? What a time to be focusing on Saint Joseph. You mentioned a lot of what I've been thinking about uh, already, right? With gender ideology, the breakdown of the family, the absence mm-hmm. of good fathers. Uh, men who who become biological fathers and just don't know how to be good fathers because they, they didn't have the example growing up. Uh, I was also thinking about the Me Too Me Too movement from several years ago, right? The, uh, all these women who are victims of predatory, powerful men 
who yeah. totally abuse the the privilege yeah. and authority and responsibility of manhood. And so yeah. ours is a culture that's that's totally lost sight of what it means to be a man, what it means to be a woman as well. But in, for the former case, what it means to be a man, St. Joseph has an awful lot to teach us. Um, he does. And, yeah. and the litany of St. Joseph, which in your consecration, um, you have all of us pray every day. It's a beautiful yeah. litany. Um, and it has uh, maybe not all the titles of St. Joseph that the church has has assigned, but many of them. Um, and, and they're just such a, a beautiful reflection on sort of the completeness of the Christian man and what the Christian yeah. man should be. Um, so talk to us a little bit maybe about some of those titles, um, yeah. you know, uh, glory of domestic life, uh, mirror of justice. Mm-hmm. Um, there are some, some really good ones in there. Uh, so yeah. how concretely does Joseph tell us or show us what it is to be a man, a husband, a father, a Christian, yeah. a worker, all of those things? Yeah. So I use that litany as the template for the book because, mm-hmm. you know, children imitate their parents. It's just how it works. And um, sons especially imitate their father. Yeah. And so, you know, we have that phrase, like father, like son, right? Mm-hmm. And, and even our Lord himself, Jesus said on one occasion to his disciples, I can only do and say what I see the father doing and saying. Right. And so that's, that's just hardwired into us. Well, if you look at those titles of St. Joseph in the litany, you learn things like he is the pillar of families, mm-hmm. right? And I mean, a pillar is a foundation. It, it, it keeps things from crumbling. Well, we need men today to be pillars of their family and, and using that authority and strength in the proper way, as you said, because so many men have not, right? They've abused that privilege of their manhood and, and hurt people emotionally, physically, or, or worse. So if we look to St. Joseph, we see the proper understanding of, of what that means to be a pillar. Mm-hmm. Um, our glory of domestic life, for example, that, that's a title that, you know, a lot of times you don't think about the man right. being the glory of domestic life, yeah. right? Wouldn't it be great, I tell people, if, if your, your school had a, a show and tell and they said, okay, kids, bring in a picture of your dad next week. We're gonna, you're going to talk about him before the class. And, and little Johnny brings in a picture and says, my dad is the glory of domestic <laughs> <Right>. life. <laughs> That'd be amazing. Yeah, right? for sure. Um, and then another one is St. Joseph was called the guardian of virgins. And I think that's really critical, especially in our times, because, you know, we live in a very perverse, filthy, pornographic era where so many men take advantage of feminine beauty and use it, objectify it mm-hmm. for their own sensual gratification. And if we look to St. Joseph, uh, you know, we, we men can learn how to be protectors of the dignity of women and, and not abusers of this great gift, uh, right, the, 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 that femininity is. It's a wonderful gift. And um, St. Joseph, I think, is, is great for, for that. Also, one of my favorites, probably my favorite, actually, he's called the Terror of Demons. Yeah. Ah, oh, that's like the money title. That's like a bring in the big guns, you know? Yeah, my family um, and I actually pray the St. Joseph Terror of Demons prayer every night now. Um, do you? And, and awesome. I learned it. I, I'd, I'd seen it or read it, I think, a couple years ago. But your mm-hmm. book brought it again to the forefront of my mind. And I was like, we're going to start doing this every night as a family. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. we, we try to do evening prayer around the dinner table. But then when the kids go to bed, you know, as I'm saying night to them, we do a guardian angel prayer from St. Mm-hmm. from the Studite. Uh, and yeah. then we do the St. Joseph Terror of Demons prayer. Uh, and it's just, oh, that's it's, awesome. it's wonderful. Our kids love it. Oh, that's fantastic. No, yeah, I, I love that. Because, you know, a lot of people say, why is he the Terror of Demons? Mm-hmm. Well, if you think about it, you know, only two people can address God. You know, Jesus is the second person of Blessed Trinity. They can address him as their son. We can't do that, right? Yeah. Nobody else in all of time of creation can do that. No angel, no nobody but the Virgin Mary and St. Joseph. And that is a terror to demons because 
when Jesus hears it, he's hears it, hearing it as a son, mm-hmm. and he loves his mom and dad. And so he's going to, you know, be more than generous uh, with who he is as God to make them happy. Mm-hmm. And so, oh, the devil's terrified of that stuff. You know? No kidding. Yeah. No, I mean, I think um, uh, one of the insights from that, right, I mean, it's, I read the, a book called The Right a couple years ago mm-hmm. uh, by a journalist named Matt Baglio. And this is all about the exorcism, right? And this was a skeptical journalist who set out with Italian exorcists to find out what this was all about and to see if there's anything mm-hmm. really to it. And again, he went in with a skeptic's eye and he ended the yeah. book basically going back to mass because he was like, what I saw, I, I there's no, there's no, uh, non, there's no natural explanation for the things that I saw, et cetera. Mm-hmm. But you know, one of the things that struck me is how the exorcists don't have fear and mm-hmm. they don't have fear because they're confident in the, the, uh, the protection of the saints and the pre- protection of Jesus from the evil one. And in that, I was just thinking, you know, the, the evil one hates these saints so much because the saints have united their own wills to God. There's nothing more devastating to a demon, to one of the evil ones, or to the evil one himself, Satan, yeah. than someone who has done exactly what the demons refuse to do, unite their own wills to God. Um, right. And St. Joseph is, is a picture in his complete docility of doing exactly that. Um, you know, someone who, like you said, doesn't have a single spoken word throughout the New Testament. This is not someone who, who I mean, you know, I, I guess we don't know, but every clue we have suggests that he was not a, a you know, loud spoken man who liked to talk a lot, but he was just humble. He was docile. He was a leader, but he was a quiet leader. He was perfectly content in doing exactly what God wanted him to do and, and protecting those around him that were entrusted to his care. Um, and yeah. so, so yeah, in that way, I mean, of, of course he's the terror of demons because he's everything that the demons hate. Exactly. And one thing, another aspect that I find fascinating and much needed today is, you know, when we see him, classical paintings of him, he's holding mm-hmm. a lily, right? And a lot of people think, oh, that's kind of soft, you know, how could, he's not a very strong man. And sometimes it even looks like it's the cane holding up an old man because he's about to right, die, right, you know, right. that's <laughs> how the images yeah. sometimes portray him. But no, it's the opposite. It's lily represents purity. Mm-hmm. And so that lily cane is not a cane, it's a staff. Mm-hmm. It, 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 it's, it's like a spear, if you would, of a spiritual warrior because it's that purity that allows him to see the face of God. Remember, Jesus himself said, um, blessed are the pure of heart, for they shall see God. Well, St. Joseph gazed upon the divine face for decades. Yeah. And the purity of that man is a threat to the devil. Because when you have a pure heart, you're powerful. When you don't have a pure heart, you're spiritually impotent. You yeah. don't have power. You're, you can't see God. So St. Joseph, oh, he's got some power. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no kidding. That's great. So what are some of your... Um maybe favored is the wrong word, but what misconceptions about St. Joseph do you think it's, uh, it's really helpful to correct? Uh, and I'm thinking mm-hmm. of a couple in the, in the book that really have stood out to me so far. One of them is the age of St. Joseph. Uh, mm-hmm. and another is why St. Joseph resolved to quote, put Mary away quietly. Mm-hmm. So maybe you could talk sure. about those and, and some others, if I've missed them, those are just the two that, that have most stood out to me. But, um, I love yeah. what you say in the book about both of those things. Yeah, so, you know, we, we really don't know how old he was. There's nothing from the inspired Word of God that tells us that. But um, at the same time, you know, the, we can get a, an idea because of what he was required to do. Mm-hmm. So, for example, um, Jewish men at that time, they were required to, to go to Jerusalem three times a year, uh, all men of able body to certain festivities and, and rituals. 
And so from from Nazareth, for example, that's a three days walk yeah. one way. Yeah. If he did that for 30 years, let's say, if you add up the math, and actually scholars have, he walked like three-fourths of the way around the planet. <laughs> oh, my um, goodness. That's a lot of walking. Yeah, you know, for an octogenarian, um, that's tough to do, yeah. Yeah, right, exactly. Um, so in all likelihood, he was younger than he's been depicted in art. And the only reason that he was depicted as old and sometimes very old in the art is because they wanted to safeguard the virginity right. of Mary and say, well, we don't want anybody thinking that there was, you know, um, the conjugal act right. done in their marriage. Um, but do you have to portray him as old to show that? Actually, mm -hmm. it takes more virtue for a young man yeah, I agree. to have that restraint in his heart um, when you're married to you know, the dove of God, the right. Immaculata, I mean, right. the princess of heaven, you know, you, yeah. you're going to have to be, have a man with some chaste, you know, desires, intentions, eyes and everything. And so um, in all likelihood, he was younger. And then the other aspect is, you know, when he you know, discovered that his wife was pregnant because they were already married at that time. That's mm -hmm. another misconception. Sometimes people think that Mary was an unwed woman when the angel came to her. She actually was already married to Joseph. The Jewish wedding had two phases. The betrothal, which was a marriage, not like an engagement today. And then when you moved in together. Right. So that's when the angel came was in between those two phases. And so eventually when he found out she was pregnant, you know, he's in awe of this. And there's been many um, ways of interpreting this. And all of them are, are, are um, okay to believe mm -hmm. because we don't know with certainty which right. one. There's no dogmatic so some, definition that you have to hold to. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So um, many of the fathers of the church and, and theologians throughout the centuries have believed that he wanted to divorce her. Um, and Suspecting scandal, right? Suspecting that, Correct. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and they said, well, he was still a just man, so he wanted to do it quietly, um, and not to put her to shame, not to bring shame to her. Um, so that's one interpretation. Another is that he didn't know what to suspect. You know, he's so confused. He's just bewildered. And right. he's like, Kind of like I'm out of here. I don't, yeah, I don't know yeah. what's going on. <laughs> I don't know what to Just, think that's here. That's the. Uh, what, what you say? That's the. You, you said this like the the dumbstruck the hypothesis or something. Stupefaction. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know it's a word nobody even uses, right. but I'm like it's a cool word. Yeah. You know? um, I mean that's where that's where Joseph's just like I have no idea what's going on. I don't understand totally this at like, all. Yeah, I don't totally know. bewildered. I don't get it. You know, right. I can't. My mind can't wrap itself around <laughs> right. this. You know. Um, and then there's the reverence theory, which is that um, he was so attuned to the Holy Spirit, um, though not being. Uh, an immaculate conception like Our Lady, right? Mm -hmm. He was born uh, into sin, but, you know, he, m there's many fathers of the church, many saints and even popes say that he was sanctified in the womb, which means he was given an extraordinary amount of grace for his particular mission. And that mission was to be, you know, the stand-in for the father and, and, and the husband of Our Lady. So he was in awe of what was happening not fully understanding it, of course, but knowing that, wait a minute, I remember in Isaiah, for example, it says that a virgin's going to be with child. He was not ignorant of the scriptures, right? right, right. He was a devout Jew. Yeah. So he would have been like, wait a minute, this might mm -hmm. be her. You yeah, know? Yeah. So maybe I should back away here, not divorcing her, but let me separate myself from the Ark of the Covenant, just like David did in the Old Testament, right? right? So those are the three options. And um yeah, they've all been held throughout history. And now you advocate the third option, right? Which again, I do. the reverence yeah. option. And one thing that I like about that one, or one thing that I guess I, I should say, one sort of piece of compelling evidence that I see is uh, that when the angel appears to Joseph and says, don't be afraid to take Mary, your wife, um, you point out that, that in that dream, the angel calls Joseph son of David, which is he's one of two people who have that title in the Bible, the other being Jesus. 
Right. And in doing so, he's reminding the angels, reminding Joseph that he is of Davidic kingly lineage. Right? right. So, you know, if, so Joseph's being so reverent and thinking, I'm not worthy of this. If this is the Messiah, this is, this is bigger than me. I clearly need to step away. And the yeah. angel's saying, no, you are actually in <laughs> David's line of Kings. You need right. to be here for this. Uh, so don't be afraid to, and, and, you know, take Mary, your wife, right? Because the child, yeah, yeah. child and hers of the Holy spirit. And I thought that was a pretty compelling piece of yeah. evidence that I hadn't realized before, mm, um, yeah. in support of the reverence theory. Right. Yeah. There's some great stuff. There's some great quotes from like St. Thomas Aquinas, St. Francis de Sales, a whole bunch of other ones that give other insights too. you know, just like, um, Peter, for example, when he, you know, at one point he says, Lord, uh, you know, stay away from me or go away. I'm, I'm, I'm a sinner. Right. You know, I'm not worthy. Yep. There's that whole, I'm encountering a great mystery here and I'm not worthy to be near. Mm-hmm. Well, I think uh, that's where that reverence theory again comes from. Just being aware the Holy Spirit is at work in the womb of this woman, his wife. And, and he knew it on some level. You yeah. Know? Yeah, for sure. Well, I'm glad you also mentioned the, the sanctified uh, point as well, because I, I was going to ask you about that uh, in reading your book. There are a few, few places where you say that Joseph was, you know, a perfect mirror of Mary, mm-hmm. Or he was totally, totally united to God's will, or something like that. And those are those are expressions that I would think of as describing someone who's perfect. Um, so was Joseph perfect? I mean, he obviously, like you said, he was not immaculately conceived. Right. Um, he was not preserved from the stain of original sin. So he was born into mm-hmm. sin in that sense. But mm-hmm. but what else can we say uh, yeah. about about whether or not Joseph committed personal sin in his life? Right. Yeah. It's basically understood that. In his volition. So in, you know, because Mary's immaculate conception was nothing that she willed. It was a gift from God entirely. She didn't, that's the one grace she didn't participate in the acquisition of. She was pure gift to Mm -hmm. her. Um, But for St. Joseph, you know, in his volitional life, so after being sanctified in the womb, he cooperated with the Holy Spirit perfectly, as perfectly Mm -hmm. as as a creature can, uh, without being like an immaculate conception. And that is an extraordinary thing because... Um, if you think about his great dignity comes from his marriage with the Virgin, but also because God calls him father, you know, God called him daddy. And that is the angels are in all of this. Yeah. I mean, God doesn't call angels father. God doesn't obey angels, but God obeyed this man. Mm-hmm. That is off the charts. Holiness. You yeah. Know? <laughs> yeah. Well, I think, so we were talking a little bit before I hit the record button. You also mentioned John the Baptist in that category as well. So, so are John the Baptist and Joseph sort of in the same category of, you know, perfectly cooperating with the will of God insofar as a creature can? Yeah, according to their mission. That's yeah. right. So okay. we, John the Baptist, of course, also was, was born into original sin um, or conceived in, in, in original sin and then sanctified in his mother's womb. So during his life, um, yeah, he didn't participate in anything that was not pleasing to God. Yeah. And that's that's extraordinary. So I, I have a keen interest in soteriology in part because of my Protestant background. And you yeah. know, we, we might have some Protestants watching or listening to this who are thinking, you know, that's that's not right at all. But I want to be I want to be clear on our terms. Right. So they weren't they were they were born into original sin. So yeah. they still needed a savior. That savior is Absolutely. Jesus Christ. Uh, yeah. They simply do not commit personal sin in their life because mm. uh, volitionally they're united with God. Is that right? Correct. That's right. Exactly. Yeah. And that's the important thing. I mean, we all need Jesus Christ. There's no exception there. I mean, even the Virgin Mary, she's not God. She's not, you know, she can't do this on her own. Um, But she's, she is the perfect fruit of Christ's redeeming love. Um, And that's, that's a gift for her because she's called to be the new Eve, Mm -hmm. you know, the mother of all the living and a mother can't give what a mother doesn't have. So her being free from sin 
is her ability to help her children, you and I, to also become free from sin, you know? So that's one way to look at it, you know? Yeah, no, that definitely makes sense. Well, so short of, short of getting the book, and I really encourage all my listeners and viewers to do that and to do the consecration. I found it immensely fruitful so far. I think as we record this, I'm on day 20 as we go towards day 33. <laughs> um, by the time I release this, all you know, it'll be closer to March 19th. Uh, but it's been wonderful. I'm learning a ton, uh, and I have really enjoyed the recourse of St. Joseph. Um, what are some saints who, uh, who have, who have uh, you know, had a special devotion to St. Joseph, and, and what can we draw from their example? I have another question for you, but I sort of detoured myself here, and I want you to mention some of these saints because it's a pretty impressive list, uh, and mm. you, you, you quote a lot of them in the book, and I was just like, man, this is a lot of holy men and women who have had an intense devotion to St. Joseph, um, yeah. first and foremost, Teresa of Avila. But you know, your, your book is timely. The year of St. Joseph is timely for me. I didn't mention this, but I was reading St. Teresa of Avila's autobiography last fall, and in it, in the first 15 pages or so, she encourages everyone to have a devotion to St. Joseph because, yeah. you know, he, he's, he's never, she's never gone to him, uh, without, you know, with, without, without effect, basically, he's always given yeah. her exactly yeah. what she needed. And so I read that and came home from adoration and told my wife, I think I'm just, I think I'm going to try to have a devotion to St. Joseph. And then she, because she's an amazing wife was like, well, there's a consecration St. Joseph book. Let's check that out. And we did. And then, oh. you know, a month later, uh, Pope Francis announced the year of St. Joseph. So, <laughs> you know, like, like you said, the Holy Spirit's doing things here, but uh, what are some other saints in addition to St. Teresa of Avila who, who we can sort of look to as an example of devotion to St. Joseph? Yeah, there's some great ones. I mean, there, there are a ton, but um, some that come to mind, St. Francis de Sales mm. is an extraordinary one. Probably some of the best homilies ever given on St. Joseph were given by him. And he actually talked about um, what he called the earthly trinity of Jesus, Mary, and Joseph yeah. um, being something of a, of a shadow of the heavenly trinity. Um, that's fascinating. You know, and, and you, if you unpack it, you pray about that. It's, it's quite interesting. And then you've got people um, like St. Andre Bassett, mm. who just a hundred years ago in Canada, a, a simple, humble little brother, you know, he wasn't a priest. He was just a yeah. humble guy, not well-educated. And he was the doorman for his community. Yeah. But he told everybody, look, take your concerns to St. Joseph. He, yeah. he, he, he wants to help you get closer to Jesus. And, and so he ended up beginning construction on, it wasn't finished during his lifetime, but the world's largest church uh, in honor of St. Joseph, the great oratory of St. Joseph in Montreal, I've been there several times. And let me tell you, if you ever get the chance, yeah. you know, once the borders open up again right, and everything, right. what a pilgrimage. Now, you tell the story it's, in the book, and uh, it, it prompted me to look up the pictures right then and there of what this church yeah. looked like, and it's beautiful, yeah. It is. It's gargantuan. Yeah. I mean, even as you're driving towards it on the horizon, you're like, what is that? <laughs> <You know? laughs> That's cool, yeah. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, there's a ton of others. I mean, even in more recent times, if you look at St. John Paul II, right, three popes ago, I mean, he really loved St. Joseph. I mean, he wrote an incredible document, uh, The Guardian of the Redeemer, mm -hmm. Redemptoris Custos, yep. and he talked about St. Joseph quite a bit. He had an extraordinary love for him as well. When you mentioned uh, St. John the Twenty-Third, who took the name John the Twenty-Third, mm. but, but thought about being Pope Joseph, uh, and yeah. then out of, out of deference to Joseph, decided that he should have that title alone to himself, so he went with John the Twenty-Third. Um, but yeah. I, th I thought that was a cool little nugget I just read about this morning, so. Right, that is fascinating. I mean, and that... We've never had a Pope Joseph. Yeah. I mean, we've had 23 Johns. Right. right? <laughs> yeah. We've never, we've never had a Pope Joseph. And a couple so. John Pauls. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I, I find that fascinating. Yeah. You know. So maybe in the future, who yeah. knows? Yeah. No, it totally makes sense. Well, so what I was going to ask you before I asked you before I detoured on the Saints is short of you know getting the book or maybe you know while people are are ordering the book and waiting for it to arrive, uh, what are some ways that just in our daily life we can cultivate a devotion to Saint Joseph? Mm. Well, I would say definitely the first place to go would be the scriptures, of course. I mean, read read Matthew and Luke, 
you know, right at the beginning. Um, you're going to find that in the first several chapters of those Gospels. And meditate upon that. Pray about that. Because a lot of times we look at the scriptures and we think, well, they almost were robotic. You know, it's like, yeah. take one. Okay, great. He's born. Yep. Everybody yep. take a nap for seven years until he's lost in the temple or what? You know, no, they lived a family life, a mm-hmm. normal life. And you can, you can think about that. You know, they, what did they do, right? How, what was Jesus doing during that time? Was he ignoring his dad and paying? No, of course not. Yeah. He loved him. He was imitating him, yeah. you know? And that's extraordinary because if you think about, you know, when God wants to imitate a man, he sought to imitate Joseph. Yeah. Um, and that to me right there shows the greatness of St. Joseph because, mm-hmm. you know, Jesus looks like his mother on some level because they're biologically linked, you know, yep. cheekbones, eye sockets, eyes or chin or something. He doesn't look like Joseph because they're not biologically linked, but he acts like Joseph. Yeah. He probably, Jesus, our Lord and Savior, most likely had the mannerisms, the accent, sure, of yeah. the way of walking, talking, just like the Joseph. The carpentry skills. <laughs> Yeah, all that stuff. Yeah. So, I mean, if that is true, and I think that it is, right? Well, let's just ask and invite St. Joseph, you know what? You were pretty important to Jesus. Yeah. I mean, he loved you and still yeah. does. Help me to get to know and love Jesus. What insights can you share with me, St. Joseph? Um, uh, you know, and he will, and he will. That's beautiful. I mean, and well said. I, uh, I've been thinking a lot about parenting, parenthood as a vocation, being a father lately, especially as a father. You know, it's a, it's a, mm-hmm constant, uh, constant struggle in many, in many ways, just cause it's a hard job and you want to do it well. But, um, someone, a friend of ours at a parish described, you know, being a mom in particular is, you know, that of a hidden life. And I think it, it applies, especially today, more so to moms than dads, but it applies to parents in general, because so much of what a parent does in the home is hidden from the view, the, the eyes of the world, right? It's just yeah. a lot of quiet moments, forming characters, shaping consciences, um, directing hearts. And, and that's, it's, it's, uh, it's a lot of work and it's often done just outside of the eyes of those who, who are outside of the home. Right. So, um, the fact that St. Joseph and Mary together are doing that constantly with, jo- with Jesus as he, uh, lives the first 30 years of his life is really remarkable. And you're right. We don't, you know, we, because the gospels skip over that because it's a hidden life. Um, we don't think about it enough, but yeah. it doesn't mean it didn't happen. Right. Right. Yeah, that's right. Then that's the, I think that's where we can, you know, invite the Holy Spirit in and say, reveal some of these mysteries to me. Help me to think about these things. And then we can use the resources of what, you know, saints have already written. Many have already thought about this stuff. And they've delivered homilies or sermons or given talks or written things down in a book. And sure, it's their personal insights. But it, it's not going to contradict, you know, Scripture. It's mm-hmm. going to just help us to enter deeper into it. I mean, there's whole kinds of resources available. So, you know, that's that's where my book comes in. Is I'm I'm kind of just like a plagiarist. I'm just getting all this stuff from <laughs> right. what people have already said. You know. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I, I certainly would not agree with the 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 plagiarism joke. I mean, you've you've poured a lot of original <laughs> research into this uh, mm-hmm. and, and and all that. But I will say that there are a ton of quotes, and you mm-hmm. build off a, a large corpus of work, uh, you know, by scholars and certainly saints who have gone before. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that just points, I mean, one, to the timeliness of the book, and I'm glad that you've compiled it all for us, but but two, to the fact that this is, uh, these are things that saints before us have said we should focus on, that we yep. should go to St. Joseph and have recourse to him. So um, no, I, I really appreciate your work, Father, and thank you for writing the book. 
um, to my listeners and viewers, I again encourage you, uh, consecration to St. Joseph.org. Check out the book. I'll show you again what the cover looks like if you want to um, try to find it at your local Catholic bookstore. The author is Father Donald Calloway down at the end who joined me today. So, Father, thank you so much for joining me. Appreciate your work. I'll be praying for you as you continue to try to spread devotion to, to St. Joseph. Any other uh, work that we should be aware of that you're working on or have done in the past if we want to read more of what Father Calloway's written? Yeah, um, right now, I mean, this is my primary focus, but um, yeah, I've written a whole bunch of other books. If you go to fathercalloway.com, you have to spell out the father part, fathercalloway.com, you'll find all the other books and the other projects that I'm doing, the pilgrimages that I lead, where I'm speaking, things like that. So yeah, and thanks so much, brother, for the prayers. That means a lot to me. Um, these are difficult times, as we know, but it's a great time to cling to Jesus Christ because he's our only hope. Yeah. And so the world is changing. Everything around us is changing but he never changes. And in that we rejoice. Well said. That's a great note to end on. I will ask just one more thing though. Uh, I know you have a role in the vocations for your order. Mm. So if we have some, some listeners, uh, some young men perhaps who are thinking about pursuing a religious vocation, um, how can they uh, get in touch with the Marian fathers of the Immaculate Exception to talk about that possibility? Yeah, no, thanks for doing that. Yeah. So on the same website, fathercalloway.com, there's a button that says vocations. If you click right. that, um, you can email me, you can call, you can, we can start a conversation. We have uh, monthly vocation retreats at our house in Steubenville, oh, Ohio. Great. Nice. Yeah, that's right. I was just there the other day leading one. So many great men are, are discerning the priesthood right now, and, and we need holy priests. So mm -hmm. yes, if there are any young men, brother, I'd love to talk to you. Absolutely. Great. Sounds good. Well, thank you, Father. Really appreciate you joining me. And to my listeners, uh, if you want to get in touch with me, uh, drop a, a line about this episode, maybe ask me to put you in touch with Father Calloway. I'd be happy to send me a note, Zach, Z-A-C at creedalcatholic.com. And until next time, God bless you. Thank you once again, Father. Mm -hmm.